playoffs. Playoffs? Yes, that's right, Jim Mora. We're here talking about playoffs. Welcome to episode 190 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. We're here for our playoff preview show today. The regular season has come and gone. The playoffs are here, and boy, do we... We have quite a few things to talk about today. It's been a bit of a chaotic week in the CFL, to say the least, and we're here to break it all down on this episode of the podcast. Of course, this episode is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojakree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. I'm Ryan Coop, and I'm joined here this evening by a man who is uh, a confirmed CFL podcast all-star. Yes, we double-checked the list a couple of times. The great Adam Stewart is here tonight. Adam, how are you doing? Well, I'm glad at least somebody checked the list, and before they sent it out here, at least in the CFLPN, we do it. Uh, yeah, I think you're uh, saying about any uh, some new news in the CFL was a severe understatement. Uh, we've got a lot to go through tonight, and... Uh, only two of us, unfortunately, Ryan. Yeah, Trey a bit under the weather here tonight, so uh, he's taking a night off, rightfully so, and we hope he feels better. But we're here to chat all the good things about this week in the CFL and the bad things, and we'll touch on the playoffs here uh, this week as well. We'll start off uh, here in just a moment, first of all, with another uh, put-on-your-detective hat. Last week was the mysterious case of the missing Grey Cup halftime show. This is the mysterious case of the fake CFL All-Star list. Yes, you can't make this one up. Uh, we'll also talk about how the Riders chose to clean one room of the house. Uh, we'll break down the round one games. We'll go positional matchups here for each of the games in the division semifinals. We'll make our CFL fantasy picks. We'll do our full playoff predictions powered by BetStamp. Uh, we'll also take your comments and questions in our live chat throughout the night as well, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV. Learn more by visiting GameTimeTV.ca or follow on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. Before we dive into the things here, we also want to take a moment to thank another of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. That is BetStamp. There are so many different sports books out there. Each one offers you different prices on the same games. How do you ensure you're getting the best value? Well, BetStamp provides you the info at no additional cost. You simply pull up the game you're looking at in the BetStamp app, see the odds offered by all of the different sports book affiliates, uh, and it helps you place the bet that will maximize the return for the pick you're making. If you find some odds you like, you can sign up and link your picks through the BetStamp bet link page directly to the site you place the bet on. And if you want extra insight before you place your wagers, check out the commission-free bet stamp marketplace. You'll see bets there that others have placed. And through the verified bet tracking feature, you get the guarantee that the odds are legitimate. You can find our consensus CFL picks there every single week under the username CF Countdown Pod. Visit betstamp.app or download it from your local app store. Sign up with referral code CFC to start using BetStamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers, and remember, always bet responsibly. So, Adam, how's your week been? It's been a completely normal week, not chaotic at all uh, in the CFL. Uh, how about for you? Yeah, absolutely nothing really much going on. It's just nice, quiet week. It's been uh, pretty casual, really. I mean, nothing really that uh, stands out too big in the news or in any sort of thing or any way that way. So, uh, yeah, no, been a, been a pretty interesting week. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get right into it here, and we'll start off with the mysterious case of the fake CFL All Star list uh, last month or on Monday on the show. Uh, I was just Trey and I Halloween episode. We went through all of our uh, division uh, or division award nominees. Uh, which who we thought would make the list. Those came out a, a day or two ago. Yeah, we got we got some hits. We got some misses on there among the division award nominees. I think we were all kind of across the board there, but I think we could justify all the picks made there. Then the CFL All-Star list comes out yesterday morning, and a lot of eyebrows are being raised when you look at this list and you see... Um, Andrew Harris. Yeah, Andrew Harris is an all-star running back despite only playing eight games and having kind of an off-season. No members of the league best offensive line from the Calgary Stampeders made the list. Um, Donald Rutledge Jr. of the Bombers, who got demoted to the practice roster mid-season, made the list. Uh, The leading tackler in the CFL and Darnell Sankey did not make the list. Um... There were a number of questionable picks that ended up on the award list this week. And then we get the news like five hours later that there was a tabulation error, according to the CFL, that I guess some of the weighting on the picks was incorrect. Oh, and here's the uh, here's the brand new all-star list, by the way, which has, what, 19, 20 different changes from the original list made up in the morning? Like... We've talked about so many absurd things since we started podcasting together here, Adam, over the past, what, five, six months since you joined the team. I don't think we've ever talked about anything as absurd as this. Like, this one blew my mind. We had all of the talk about how the CFL, the outside chatter about the CFL, how it's Bush League. And yeah, a lot of times we can find ways to defend it, but I, I have no words to defend this. What do you make of uh, a CFL All-Star Gate? No, this is just absolutely insane from the CFL. The first list had 16. So essentially it was the West Division versus the Toronto Argonauts because the Argonauts had 16 nominees uh, for All-Star on the list at first. I mean, the other one that I was laughing about in special teams, the two guys dominated for special teams player of the year, most outstanding special team player, uh, was Mario Alford, and uh, I think it was on the other side, Chandler Worthy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, both of them didn't make the all-star team. How? I mean, it just, it was absolutely mind-boggling reading this list, and fans are getting more and more and more upset until all of a sudden somebody said, well, where's the list? It's, it's pulled. Well, you don't just pull the list. It's all of a sudden, there was a statement from the CFL. Uh, I believe Jeff Hamilton from uh, maybe it was Winnipeg uh, broke the news that the CFL has gone back to recount the vote or the t- votes. I mean, this isn't the U.S. Na- uh, election. This is the CFL. We got to be better than that. Uh, this has been absolutely insane. Uh, what we've seen out of the CFL, there. There is no excuse for this at all if you're in the CFL headquarters. How do you not count your tallies three, four, five, six, twenty 20 times? It don't matter how many times you count it. Make sure it's done right. This not only affects uh, bragging rights, but it also affects salaries. 
I mean, you look at some of these players that weren't picked on this list at first. For example, I'll tell you one is Derek Dennis from the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, until his unfortunate accident there that he got injured and broke his leg, he was on the verge of being a well, definite all-star and then some. Well, I'm sure he's probably his contract stipulates in there as a performance bonus. If he gets an all-star nomination, he is going to be paid a little bit more. Well, all of a sudden he ain't getting paid anymore. Uh, you look at another guy from Saskatchewan, Keon Schaefer-Baker, was listed as the lone CFL all-star from Saskatchewan. Probably in his contract, he has a performance bonus that says, if you make the CFL All-Star team, you're going to get paid a certain bonus. In the second list, he didn't make it. So I don't know how this works, and I feel terrible for the guys that were on the list that we're going to get some uh, bonus money. Now they all of a sudden don't get bonus money. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, in uh, for example, our senior hockey league, it's very simple. We just make a vote and all the team's managers vote on players on who they think is the player of the year, the defensive player of the year, the, the goaltender of the year and all that sort of thing and manager of the year and coach of the year. And once it's all added up, that's who it is. I mean, I know you're dealing with a few more players, but you got to be able to count this and do this right. You, you don't look anything near like a professional league. If you can't even count your votes, right? Uh yeah, this has been an absolute black eye on the CFL. And in all honesty, I don't know whose head's got to roll, but there honestly should be probably heads rolling over this one. Ryan? You're muted, by the way. If I can go and double tr- and triple check the scores on our Fantasy League results every single week to make sure I'm posting them correctly as the commissioner for something... As borderline meaningless as that, I know. I mean, I know there was the charity money to play for this year, but like, there's a lot at stake with these all star nominations. Like, these should be running through multiple people. It is mind boggling. It is insane. And you touched on the biggest gripe I have with it is, yeah, guys who, you know, thought they were getting bonuses when they woke up and saw the news in the morning and now realize they aren't. And it's the CFL where a lot of these players aren't making life-changing money necessarily in one season, right? So those bonuses are what a lot of them rely on to make their living and to set them up in life. And to have it taken away when you thought you you had the nomination, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed off if I was them. On the other hand, if I was the other players who uh, originally, you know, didn't make the list when you full-on deserve to, like some of the guys we mentioned, yeah, I was pretty, I'd be pretty pissed there too of, well, why is this guy on the list when all of my stats are definitively better than theirs, right? Not only that, I saw a couple of guys saying, well, now I got to go call my mom and explain to her why I'm not an all-star. Like, I'm sure that's a big moment for the families for a lot of these guys as well, too. Uh, It was, yeah, just a disaster yesterday. And uh, it's just another feather in the cap, I guess, of, of a thing that, You know, there's so much talk around the issues the CFL has. I mean, all the big talk around, we still don't have a Grey Cup halftime show, and the Grey Cup is now less than three weeks away. I mean, we're at playoff time here. And this is one way, I guess, to distract us from that news. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, this is – I don't have any more words on this. This is – I don't know how this happened. And uh, I'm glad they did put out a correct list in the end because 
I, I looked at the list. If you want to see the full list, I won't list them all off, but you can go to the CFL website, find it on there for now until it ends up being replaced with another new list. Um, hopefully not. Uh, I think the new list is much better, though. A lot of these guys we talked about already did end up making the list that deserved to, and uh, I'm just happy it resolved that way in the end. It's just an ugly way to get there. Yeah, I think that they need the new old, uh, well, actually a new song from Smash Mouth coming out that says, hey, now you're an all-star, get your game on. Oh, wait. Like, seriously, it has just been gruesome watching the conversations and the comments coming in on this from all over uh, the, the country. I mean, I, I feel terrible for the guys, and I hope the CFL has some sort of uh, solution for them. I'll presume they don't because, you know, it's a CFL. But again, it's a matter of five, maybe $10,000 for some of these guys. It's some other ones there. But I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's been a terrible week for this, Chris. Uh, but hey, I wanted you to, I wanted to talk a little bit of what Chris was also talking about uh, here over in the comments that BC Place has announced uh, that they're opening the upper bowl for the playoff game here uh, coming up uh, this weekend here against Calgary. And boy, they... They've done some really good uh, things uh, in BC, and I think they're getting rewarded, aren't they, Ryan? Yeah, the the BC Lions have done a lot of good things. I mean, we may not have a Grey Cup halftime show, but we have, what, two concerts already in the BC Lions uh, home playoff game this coming week, right? Like, we, we they announced the halftime show, and they've got Sarah McLaughlin, I think, uh, singing the opening anthem for the game. They've opened the the upper bowl. They've sold a lot of tickets for this game. And it's huge. And it's good to see because we've talked so much about what Victor Cooey's done in Edmonton. We've talked so much about, you know, what Gary Stern and crew have done uh, over in Montreal. But BC has done a fine job as well this season to promote the game. They've really used a guy like Nathan Rourke as a selling point for the team to bring more people in. They've tried to do these halftime concerts. They've tried to do things that are clearly working. Like all of the talk on attendance around the CFL is always negative, right? It's, oh, the league's dying. Oh, people aren't going to games anymore. But I actually see it as an alternative of, I have a lot of hope for a lot of these areas. Like I have hope for BC that the attendance is going to continue to grow there going forward. You know, Winnipeg had a strong year here. Montreal, they got more people in the seats. Yeah, you have some tough markets right now, like like Edmonton. It's hard to sell people to come to a home game when you haven't won there in two years. Saskatchewan, uh, you know, the Riders fans are diehards. It's hard to sell them on that. But overall, I, I think this is a good sign of the positive direction BC's heading. And, and as you mentioned, they're getting awarded for it here, Adam, because uh, it's been announced the, uh, the 2024 Grey Cup uh is going to be played in bc and i am ecstatic for that uh i know there's been a lot of talk about winnipeg making a pitch wouldn't be surprised to see them get 2025 honestly i'd rather have it in 2024 in bc because they've worked darn hard to get it there yeah absolutely i mean all kudos to the staff uh the ownership uh group over in bc uh the management and the uh essentially the play everybody that's been working on the off field uh kind of things for the bc lines whether it's some tickets or merchandising or advertising they've done an amazing job in the last little while i mean when was the last time you ever heard of a C of an nfl team doing a pre-sale for a cfl west semifinal? i mean 
utterly amazing that the Seattle Seahawks has a little bit of a partnership now with the BC Lions. That part has been great. Uh, and yeah, awarded the 111th Grey Cup uh, in 2024. And as a lot of guys are saying, you know, if Nathan Rourke resigns in BC, hey, they might just be in it. You never know. Uh, and the exciting things that have been happening all the time in BC lately, uh, they deserve to get some good news and they deserve uh, what they're getting. They're opening up the top uh, top section of the upper bowl of the uh, BC Play Stadium. It sounds like they're actually going to open up the, field, up, uh, the uh, uh, what do you call, roof as well for the game. It might be showering and plus one, but you know what? They're going to do it anyways because they want to go and have some fun and uh, play in a really big, raucous uh, atmosphere. I know Calgary has been preparing for a big, big game this weekend uh, with a lot of noise, and BC is planning on bringing it. The other thing I just wanted to point out really quickly on this was the prices of tickets. You can go in the upper bowl for the same price that you can almost go to for a Regina Pats WHL game. That's insane that you can go to a West semifinal in the CFL for almost the same price. And again, you're watching pretty much top quality football and enjoying yourself in a beautiful stadium in BC for, I think it's under 40 bucks. Like, how could you go wrong at that? I hope that BC fans are taking advantage of this and are going to load that stadium up uh, for all of Sunday and uh, have some fun with it. And also go to brunch. Apparently they got brunch just before the game. So Oh, well, brunch, okay, I'm booking a flight right now. I mean, I was on the fence. But you throw brunch into it, I'm in, right? Like, oh, love brunch. Brunch is so good. Yeah, and, um, and um, Chris just said, 29 bucks you can actually get a ticket for. So, I mean, why wouldn't you if you're a BC fan or Calgary fan or just a football fan, head to BC. I mean, it's going to be a great time and a great atmosphere there in BC Place on Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's some good news for the BC Lions. Let's move on to our next topic here. Adam, you may have thought we'd get to escape talking about the Riders for the rest of the season now that, uh, you know, the playoffs have started. We buried the season in the past. But we did have some breaking news here from the Riders this week that, well, we all wanted them to clean the house, but they cleaned one small room of it only with the uh, the offensive coaching staff being let go. I had coach Craig Dickinson being brought back for a new next season. Jeremy O'Day, general manager, uh, being brought back for another season here as well. Uh, you know, I like the analogy of cleaning the house because I'm often like this as well. I hate cleaning the entire house at once. So I'm like, okay, I'll clean one small room, right? And then it's like, well, now I don't want to do the rest today. I'll come back to that later. But when I come back to that later, then the room I've already cleaned is dirty by that point again. So it feels like you're making progress, but perhaps you never are. That's my metaphor for the day. Uh, but you're the the, the premier Riders fan here. Uh, well, the, I, it might be borderline at this point after this season. I don't know. No, of course you still are. Uh, tell us what you think uh, of this move. Well, first of all, if anybody wants to know, I went as the Joker this year for Halloween, just like Trey. But uh, when I when I was asked how I got these scars, it was mostly from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So <laughs> anyway, uh, I didn't like it. Uh, I'll be honest. But again, I know that the Riders are probably also uh, handicapped a little bit from the CFL. There is a CFL coaches cap. And because of that, that means that the Rough Riders, having Jeremy O'Day and uh, Craig uh, Dickinson and all, in a uh, uh, over to contract year, I think it goes till 2023, their current contracts. 
means they still got to pay him out, and that still counts against the cap. So I could see why they didn't let those two guys go. I don't like how the Rough Riders did this, to be honest with you, because they just essentially sent out a press release saying, here's what we did, and got Jeremy O'Day to give Craig Dickinson a pat in the back, and then got Craig Reynolds to give uh, Jeremy O'Day a pat in the back, and then waited until doing uh, media interviews until, you know, there was a fire like, oh, I don't know, uh, messing up all-star balance. So essentially, Rider Nation, really, I mean, I've seen a lot of guys saying this is a good start, but there was a lot more that needed to be done. In a way, I know that what can you do when you got that coach's salary cap in there? So it, it, I don't like it, but I understand why they did what they had to do. The offense was clearly the problem in Saskatchewan this year. Jason Moss had a lot of issues uh, deciding if he wants to run the ball, if he doesn't want to run the ball. Halfway through the game, he changes his mind and then doesn't run the ball and runs the ball. It, it was just a very strange uh, certain of things. However, that wasn't the only issue with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this year was just the lack of offense. It was discipline, which is usually on your head coach. And it was uh, funny uh, signings. Again, Duke Williams, at the time, it looked like an okay signing, but $300,000 is what you paid for essentially 400 yards this year. That doesn't cut the mustard. So in Saskatchewan, they had a lot of guys that underperformed their contracts by quite a bit, uh, whether it be injury or by just not being able to perform. Uh, so to me, that's a responsibility on the manager to make sure that you've got the right guys. Combine that with, with we don't have a Grey Cup halftime act yet. That's why I've been screaming at the president about this, the president of the Rough Riders. To me, it was a good start, but they should have done more. But again, I see why they couldn't. So it, it sucks. And Chris, you're right. The GM salary cap messes things up. Uh, it's actually, like I said, it's a player personnel cap, salary cap. It, it's designed so that one team can't go and sign 30 coaches and then leave nothing for another team. I understand why the CFL wanted to do that. I don't know why you can't ca uh, take things off the cap, though, when a guy is released like they are. So to me, it's it's got to be worked on, and I hope that they can figure out something with this. Uh, I don't think there's such a thing as a coach's union, so I think maybe the teams can figure this out together. But uh, yeah, I I don't like the move, but again, I like I like that they did something, but I don't really think they did enough. But also, I see why they couldn't. So, right? Yeah, because of the darn coaches cap, like if you're letting both these guys go for this next year where they're still under contract, like you're not going to be able to bring in a real suitable candidate and pay them enough to, to do the jobs they need to do. So I understand why both Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day were brought back. As much as I agree with you, I don't like it. Uh, I'm very happy to see Jason Maz and crew go. A run game coordinator, offensive line coach Stephen Sorrells, receivers coach Travis Moore also let go uh, by the riders here. I think that needed to happen because, yeah, I had a lot of concerns with the offensive game plan this year as well. Craig Dickinson, I would let go uh, if the coach's cap wasn't in the way, just because I think, you know, a lot of his words and actions were confusing this season. Uh, a lot of talk about, you know, this team has dealt with injuries and we're going to bring it back strong at the end of the season. And the culture is properly in place here with the team when we repeatedly saw examples of why it wasn't. So, um, I would have canned Craig Dickinson. What I will say is, if anything, if you're not going to fully clean house, 
I would potentially leave Jeremy O'Day in there, actually. He did he messed up by not filling the offensive line last season. Absolutely. But now more than ever, after you give up what 70 something sacks on the year, like it is clear as day that this, this is the focus point he needs to have going into this offseason. So I would be willing to potentially give him a chance to say, okay, you better go out and fix this. And if you're not fixing it soon enough, then, then, then you're done. Right. Like there's a clear, there's a clear goal for them to fix. And, you know, uh, now they're going to have to do that in the off season here with the guys back and focus is going to be on that offensive line. Focus is going to be on figuring out what the heck to do with the quarterback and focus for Craig Dickinson needs to be on making sure you have that room under control and bought in and ready to go because, you can bring in all the high price free agents you want this offseason. Like they're going to spend the money. They're going to throw boatloads of money to try to bring in the top offensive linemen in free agency. I, I, I'm ready to, you know, give my stamp on that. But it's going to do nothing if you don't get them all on the same page. Well, exactly. And the thing that I want to see Craig uh, Dickinson do is make the tough decision if you have to early. Don't let it go and fester. If the guy there is a guy that's not well with the room, whether it was Garrett Marino in this year or if it was Duke Williams, make the move when you got to make the move. If you got to let the guy go, let the guy go. It's it, you can't have a room and you can't have a lost room because of two or three guys. Essentially, uh, I know that they were that there was a lot of Ryder fans that said, "Oh wow, look, we lost all these games because Garrett Marino was lost, uh, or because they let go of Garrett Marino." I, you know what? I'll argue that to the to the death that having a guy like Garrett Marino sit in that room for another four or five weeks and essentially go and complain and whine and moan, I'm guessing about his suspension and saying he was picked on and this and that probably just ruined the team. And I, there's still some talent left on this team. Like, I mean, next year, Keon Schaefer Baker is not a free agent. He'll be back next year. Uh, you've got Frankie Hickson who, Hey, you got a cheap uh, running back right now. Maybe you don't re-sign Jamal Morrow or you bring in another guy to play underneath Frankie Hickson. Uh, that could be an option as well. Uh, you've still got Logan Furland, who is the offensive lineman of the year for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I know, not saying much, but hey, it is a guy that you still have on contract. And you still have Braden Lenius next year also on contract. Uh, you do have the pieces there to help yourself. I know AC Leonard's back as well. If they keep him, they may release him from his big contract. I'm not sure. Uh, but they still do have some pieces around uh, that aren't free agents this year. I know Pete Robertson is a free agent. That's probably one of the priorities for Jeremy O'Day, I would think. And uh, give him some pieces around him because uh, I don't think you're going to get Charleston Hughes back after sitting him for an entire year. And I don't think you need him. You need to get younger. This is the time when Saskatchewan has to rebuild. And I sure hope that Jeremy O'Day understands what he did wrong last year and decides to repair what he did wrong so that this team can come back to uh, prominence for 2023. I still maintain they were a good football team on paper this year. Like the team had the depth on the roster. If you get a couple more offensive linemen in there and Cody Fajardo ends up on the ground, say 10, 20 less times throughout the season, like that probably ends up with you in the playoffs. Like it probably changes the trajectory, not only of the field position in the games, but of his morale, his mentality, the team mentality. Like it's gotta be frustrating for a quarterback to deal with that situation there. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that uh, no matter what quarterback you could have back there, you could have Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills back there right now. It don't matter. He, if you don't have an offensive line, 
you're you're done. So essentially, it, it could be Cody Fajardo. Who knows? Maybe they can mend fences. I don't see it happening, to be honest with you. But uh, there are some interesting names that will be probably coming up here in free agency. So I'm sure Saskatchewan's going to be looking for a very uh, – depends what they want to do. If they think that they can actually just uh, do a retooling here and end up uh, getting back into the playoffs, look for a veteran quarterback. If you don't, maybe you look at a guy like Chad Kelly or a another quarterback that's a little bit younger, bring him in and learn him and let him develop in Saskatchewan and build your own quarterback. Well, let's move on to talking about the playoffs here. And, uh, you know, we're going to make our full playoff predictions at the end of the show here today. Uh, but first, I think we got to go through and break down the matchups. And in doing so, honestly, I think it's going to help me make my picks later on in the show. I am undecided on my playoff bracket as of this point in the show. So I'm hoping you can maybe help convince me to, to lean one direction or the other on a number of these matchups. Let's start out East. We've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats visiting the Montreal Alouettes in the East Division semifinals. Uh, season series between these two teams. I pulled it up here uh, back in July, uh, late July. The Cats beat the Alouettes 24-17. to uh, In mid-August, uh, Montreal took one, 29-28. A big uh, one-point victory there for them. Montreal also took the matchup, I believe, if I'm seeing correctly, they played three times. Montreal won in September 23-16, so a 2-1 to season series here for the uh, for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, let's go. I, I think the best way to break down these playoff matchups and, and to make sure we cover everything is to look at uh, breakdown position versus position, or I guess segment of the game versus segment of the game. Well, let's start off with the offensive side of the ball here. Hamilton, Montreal, how do you see these two teams and which side do you give the edge to? Myself, I'm going to give my edge to the uh, Montreal Alouettes in this case. Uh, you look at an experienced quarterback like Trevor Harris, who's had very good success sometimes in the gray, in the Grey Cup or even in the playoffs. Uh, had a, some moments there and had a few good uh runs there with the Ottawa Red Blacks. So he's been in the playoffs. He knows what this is all about. So does Dane Evans. I'm not going to say he doesn't. However, Dane Evans just hasn't been the same this year. Uh, however, that being said, playoff Dane Evans is also a little bit different than regular season Dane Evans. Last year, we seen him take his team all the way to the Grey Cup until the Winnipeg Blue Bombers stepped in the way, which seems to be one of his boogeymen. Anyways, uh uh, that being said, on quarterbacks, I still have more faith right now in Trevor Harris. He seems to be a lot more comfortable in the backfield. And uh, speaking of backfields, you look at the running game in this one. You've got uh, you've got William Stanback, who is just right back with pretty fresh legs, who hasn't played a whole lot all season, uh, and can really get ready to run versus a, another guy that's been kind of a tandem in uh, Hamilton with... Uh, with Wes Hillis and also with uh, Thomas, uh, Sean Thomas Hurlington. I'm going to give the edge to William Stanback. He looks like a quarterback or running back that's ready to roll and can move downfield and move and usually goes north and south very easily. So to me, I'm going to go on the running back side. I'll go with Montreal receiving side of the football. If Montreal starts to click, I think they've got a deeper receiving core for sure. Uh, you look at Eugene Lewis, you look at Tyson Filippo, you look at uh, uh, even a guy like Jake Wenicky, who hasn't had a great year, but he should 
be uh, ready to go for the playoffs here. And uh, let's hope that he can get something done and forgets about his kind of poor regular season there. But um, over on the other side of the football, there's really been only one guy that I could see was Tim White uh, that really stood out for Hamilton. And I mean, if he's going and uh, the Montreal defense has no answer for him, he could make an interesting case for Hamilton. However, I just don't like the uh, guy throwing him the football at the moment, being Dane Evans. And I don't like that they don't have a real established. They've been trying to, in the last few weeks, establish a little bit of a run game. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm still going to go with Montreal for the offense on this one. It's uh, it's pretty even, actually. I was just looking up the team stats on this. Like uh, My initial thought was lean Montreal on offense as well. Uh, Montreal's averaged 23 points a game. Hamilton's averaged 21.2. Uh, rushing wise, I think they've all been kind of both been kind of running back by committee this season. Yeah, Stanback, you know, should be one of the best backs in the game, but like Richard in the chat says, I don't think he's been particularly sharp since he's returned. I think Walter Fletcher is actually probably in the past couple of weeks looked like the best running back out of all of them between these teams. I'd put Wes Hills right behind there for Hamilton. Receiving game, you've got Eugene Lewis on one side as the big name, Tim White on the other side for Hamilton. Uh, then I would go, you know, maybe like Jake Winicky and Stephen Dunbar about equal. Dunbar's had a better year, but Winicky, uh, you know, he can have those big games. He had a couple down the stretch there. Maybe he's heating up for the playoffs. I think this is very even on offense and. I think the side I'm going to go to here, though, is Montreal, and I think it might be because of the offensive line. I feel like their offensive line has been very underrated this season. They've kept Trevor Harris up and standing quite a bit. Um, he hasn't, you know, lit up a ton of games, but he's also played decent game manager mentality here for them. So uh, I, I like that in a playoff game. Dane Evans, yeah, he's the more explosive quarterback, I think, but he also can turn the ball more often. So I think it's going to come down to turnovers in this game. So I think I got a slightly lean Montreal's favor on offense, but it's it's close for me there. Uh, let's look at defensive side of the ball here next. Uh, ooh, Montreal's defense versus Hamilton's defense here. That one's a tough one for me as well. I, I, I don't think either of them have been particularly huge standout performers all season long between the different defenses, right? Uh, Montreal has had a couple games where that D line played really well. Uh, Hamilton has had some big turnover games, but, uh, you know, been underwhelming at times. I think the team I lean to on defense, though, is Hamilton because of the penalty factor. I see Montreal's discipline, the defensive pass interference penalties more frequently coming from the Alouettes than I do from the Ticats. And to, that to me is the detriment when I, talent wise, I think there's a lot there. It's the defensive discipline I think is worse for Montreal. So uh, I got to give Hamilton the nod on defense. What about you? Actually, I'm going to give the Montreal Alouettes the nod also on the defense, and there's only one reason behind that is the turnover ratio. You look at Montreal, it wasn't the best. It was only a plus-one turnover ratio. However, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, negative 22. If Hamilton goes and starts committing a lot of turnovers and Dane Evans is known for getting hit and losing the ball once in a while, this could be a very, very long day for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, Montreal, I believe, is one of the teams that puts one of the most amounts of pressure on quarterbacks as well. They usually always play a very aggressive uh, front line with their defense. 
So to me, I like the Montreal strategy more. I, I give you credit, though. The uh, the penalties are a concern. And if uh, Montreal starts committing a lot of penalties, which they are known to do throughout the season, it could also turn the ball the other way and uh, cause Hamilton to have a lot of short fields. That being said, though, I just don't like that turnover ratio one bit. And that's why I'm going to go with Montreal even on the defense. So then let's talk special teams here. On one side, you've got Seth Small uh, kicking field goals. The other side, David Cote. Uh, you've got Chandler Worthy returning kicks. I think it's Lawrence Woods is uh, on the other side for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, both good return men there. Uh, do you see one team having the edge on special teams here? This one's pretty tough because I think they're very even uh, on both sides of this. I think Chandler Worthy's probably the better returner. I mean, he's had a few good returns uh, against uh, a few teams for touchdowns this season. So Chandler Worthy, I think, will be the uh, uh, give the advantage a little bit to Montreal. But on the other side, I think in kicker-wise, I would probably go with Seth Small, though, because I think he probably has the longer leg if it has to go go to kicking. And I think that he's probably the more accurate quarter or uh, kicker out of the two, if I'm not mistaken. So to me, I'm going to probably maybe slightly lean Hamilton's way because kicking is so important when it comes to a playoff game. But uh, yeah, Montreal will keep up with him, I think. Uh, and if uh, if Chandler Worthy can get going early and uh, get the yards uh, downfield very quickly, you got short fields, so it helps Montreal. But Ah, I don't like choosing these ones. I'm going to go with Hamilton uh, just slightly, right? Yeah, I think I'm in the same camp as you there on that one. Uh, his ability to hit field goals from 50 or 55 yards is if this is coming down to, you know, 20 seconds left on the clock, Hamilton gets the ball and they need to drive downfield. They only have to drive so far because... Seth Small can nail those from that far away, and that's the big thing to me. I don't give either return man real big of an edge. Maybe I lean a little bit more towards uh, Chandler Worthy there, but uh, I think they're both two very talented uh, players and teams that you know can can break a big return that flips the field for field position here. So uh, I, I would call it pretty even, but I'll give the kicking game edge to the tie cats here so then it brings us to our last category which is coaching we've got danny machocha on one end uh who you know stepped in took over the role this year after he let kahari jones go and uh has taken the alouettes to the playoffs to his credit against orlando steinauer who has been a mainstay there the past number of years uh and it seemed like maybe he was under a bit more of hot water earlier this season uh of course both these teams you know to richard's comment in the chat have been uh, rolling decently well down the stretch. I mean, Hamilton's won five of their last six, and two of those were against Winnipeg and Calgary. There was that one point kind of mid to late season where Montreal had won, I think, five of six or something close to that as well. Uh, so both these teams have had good stretches here. I mean, I'm going to give the coaching edge to Orlando Steinauer because I don't think Danny Machocha necessarily, you know, fixed the discipline problem that he uh, went and said uh, he was, uh, you know, basically firing Kahari Jones for. So uh, I think, uh, I think Orlando Steinauer is still a good coach, but uh, it's a tough one because offensive play calling Tommy Condell and Hamilton, if we want to go full in depth on the coaching staff, right? I like the play calling of the Alouettes better 
than I do the Hamilton. Hamilton's made some questionable decisions this year. You know, I might actually have to lean Montreal on the coaching staff here. What about you? No, I'm going to lean towards Hamilton for quite actually heavily on this one. Uh, I think Norlando Steinauer, he knows how to coach in a playoff game, and he's taken his team to the Grey Cup a few years now. So I think he has the veteran advantage on that part. Uh, however, Danny Machocha won a Grey Cup with Edmonton as well, so he does know what to get out of his players. However, you've got one wild card in this whole thing, and it's an offensive advisor to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, which is Kahari Jones, oddly enough. And I think that'll give Hamilton a little bit of an advantage, uh, maybe just in preparation for this game, if nothing else, uh, because Kahari knows what it is when you're going into Montreal and playing a playoff game uh, before. And he's been on both sides now of the football. Uh, I'm a little concerned with Tommy Condell because I don't know if he's quite the right guy in Hamilton as an offensive uh, coach. We've seen him do some very strange things over the last uh, year. But uh, that being said, Nah, I don't. I like uh, I like Orlando Steinauer's crew a little more than I like uh, Danny Machocha's crew. So to me, I'm going to go with the Ticats. Now, the, anything else you're looking at in this game that you're excited to watch and see, or any players specifically you have your eye on here? I'm going to be watching the defense on Hamilton's sideline mainly. Uh, they're known for going after a quarterback a little bit as well. And uh, Simone Lawrence is back. So I want to see if he actually can make a factor into this game or if he can't. Uh, Micah Johnson has been just absolutely uh, lights out lately as well. Has made some big plays for the Ticats. So I'm going to be watching him to see what he can do in that defensive line. So essentially I want to see how this D-line uh, stacks up and the uh and the linebacking core lines up against the Montreal Alouettes is probably one of the bigger parts I'm watching. And I'm watching Dane Evans to see what he does uh, when he has all the pressure on him on this one. He's proven in the past that he can take pressure, but this has been a different year for him. I don't know if he has all the weapons like he used to have for those other cup runs uh, on the offense. So to me, I want to see what he does with it. If he all of a sudden commits a lot of turnovers, which was Hamilton's kind of... Uh, uh, pain in the butt there at the beginning of the year. But uh, that's what I'm mainly watching is Dane Evans to see what he does for turnovers. And I'm watching that defensive line and linebacking core for the Ticats and seeing what they can do to get some pressure over on Trevor Harris. Yeah, for me, it's absolutely the turnover battle is going to make the difference, like I said, because you mentioned you know early season turnovers were the big knock on Dane Evans. He can throw a big game, 300, 400 yards, but if he's turning over the ball – uh, a lot that's that's not going to be productive for them and go back to last year's crazy playoff game between these two teams where it was all Montreal I'm pretty sure early in the game and then uh, I think Trevor Harris fumbled once or twice got them returned back for at least one of them was returned back for a touchdown and it completely changed the tide of the game and the Ticats didn't look back from there so uh, you know Whichever team can control the ball more, I think, is going to be the team that uh, is able to get this done in advance in this one. Well, we'll make our official picks on this game straight up and against the spread later on in the show. Stay tuned for that at the end as we do our full playoff brackets there. But for now, let's preview the West semifinal as well. And I am giddy to talk about this game. I am giddy to watch this game this weekend. The Calgary Stampeders going into BC Place to face the BC Lions, and uh, we are in for a treat of a football game, I think, between these two teams. I 
I've been very high on what they've done, both of them, over the past number of weeks. Uh, let's take, a, or throughout the season, I should say, let's take a look at the season series between them first. Uh, back on August 13th, BC won 41-40 to in a wild shootout of a game there. Uh, after that, uh, we had the, the home-and-home series uh, in September for them, where BC won 31-29 in an overtime game, uh, followed by Calgary winning 25 to 11 in the rematch the week after. So, uh, two to one, the Lions, uh, go and say, uh, you know, they, they win the season series, uh, but very close football games, one overtime game, one that was one point difference. So pretty even clubs here. Uh, let's start on the offense here again. Uh, in this matchup, BC Calgary, who do you give the edge to? Do I have to pick? I mean, seriously, this is a great matchup. Uh, Nathan Rourke has all the weapons back as far as I'm concerned. However, I should say the lucky whitehead was absent in practice today. So we'll put that with a star, but uh, Brian Burnham should be back for this game. You've still got Devere Posey. You've still got all those, oh, not Devere Posey. Sorry. Uh, I am brain dead today. Sorry. Uh, John oh. Hatcher, Dominic Grimes. Dominic Grimes, I was thinking of. I just, it's it's one of those days. Sorry, folks. Um, and you still got Jovan Gatoy. You still got Hatcher. You've still got lots of pieces in that BC offense that are dangerous weapons. Oh, and by the way, they also have uh, James Butler in there as well, who has had an amazing season uh, with the BC Lions. You've also got a very well-rested Nathan Rourke and a guy that wants to prove that, hey, yeah, I was injured, but I want to stick it to the rest of the league, and I want my Hall of Fame nomination, and I want it now, as long as they count the votes right. That being said, over on the other side of it, Calgary also has got a, a completely different team this year. Uh, one of the best offensive lines, I think, in the CFL. Uh, they have not allowed any real amount of pressure being on their new quarterback, Jake Mayer. Oh, and by the way, if Jake Mayer gets taken out, I don't know, they have some guy named Bo Levi Mitchell. Never heard of him, but he should be okay, I think. Uh, you've also got some one of the best rushing games in all the CFL right now in uh, Kadeem Carey and uh, Diedrich Mills. And oh, and by the way, Tommy Stevens. He can also run a football. I don't know how I know that. I won't talk about that because... Yeah, we don't need to talk about that game last week. Anyways, uh, the receiving core, too, is just dynamo on that team. Uh, you've still got uh, Richardson Danny, who's been better and better all year. You've got Kamar Jordan, who usually is a guy that can usually take it up a notch in the playoffs. Uh, you're you're going to have all those receiving cores back. Uh, Malik Henry, as well, is going to be back for the uh, further game here. There is no edge in this one here, I won't say. Uh, really, I'm going to pretty much put it right down the middle because, to me, it's two quarterbacks for their first playoff game ever. Uh, they're both going to be first-time starters. There's going to be nerves. There's going to be a few little mistakes, I'm sure. But it's who doesn't make the mistakes and who can finish off the drive or finish off the throw that's going to win this game, I think. And this is probably true for uh, for a little bit more of this. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm putting these two teams at even. I can't, I can't pick one. It's so tough. And you look at the stats, points per games played, uh, like points per game, uh, number two and three in the league, BC 27.7, Calgary 27.6. Uh, 
uh, yards per game uh, of offense. Uh, BC in first at 386. Calgary right behind at 376 in second. Uh, rushing totals, Kadeem Carey was number one with 28 more yards than James Butler. Did play three less games to his credit uh, there, though, as well. It's tough for me. The way I break it down, Calgary, absolutely the better offensive line. No question about that. You know, uh, as much as they didn't get any all-star nominees in the first go around, glad that was corrected because they have been fantastic. They've barely given up a sack all season. Rushing game. Yeah, I got to give a bit of an edge to Calgary there. Although I don't think James Butler, if they use him properly in the offense, is that far behind the rushing game of Kadeem Carey here. I think he's a very viable option. And I think he's going to be used most effectively in that offense with Nathan Rourke in the lineup because I think the offensive play calling is just that much smarter when he's in the lineup because you can do so much more with him there. Wide receiver, I have to give a nod to BC, though. I think that, yeah, losing Whitehead sucks, but uh, you've got... You know, Dominic Rhymes, you you mentioned all the guys basically already. They've been stacked at wide receiver all season long. Calgary has been, you know, in and out. And injuries have played a large part of that as well, where, yeah, you know, Reggie Bagleton's been solid. Uh, Malik Henry has been fantastic this year. But Kamar Jordan really hasn't done a whole ton when he was in the lineup. Then you've got a couple up-and-coming guys have been filling the other spots and rotating through. So, BC, I give the edge at, at wide receiver. Calgary, I give a bit of an edge at running back. Calgary, I give an edge at offensive line. Then it comes down to the quarterback for me. I, I really have Nathan Rourke much higher than I have Jake Mayer. I still like Jake Mayer and what he's done this season, but the Nathan Rourke factor is something else, and we've seen him just dominate and take over games this season like uh, we have not really seen Jake Mayer do. So I give a big nod to them there. Uh, if he's he fully healthy and ready to go, I got, I'm based on the Rourke factor alone. I think I'm going to give the offensive nod to the BC Lions, and that's partially because this is a dome game in BC. If this was cold weather Calgary, I'm giving it to to Calgary the the edge on offense all day because of the run game and offensive line. But that's kind of how I see it for a game in BC. Uh, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what do you think on defense here, Adam? I think both teams are pretty even as well. Uh, the secondary, I probably give it a little bit of an advantage to the BC Lions. Uh, you've got a guy like uh, Lucius Purifoy back there that can just make a play on, well, almost anywhere on the field, essentially. Uh, up front, you've got a good defensive line, but I think that the defensive line and linebacking core of the Calgary Stampeders are a little bit better. You've got a guy like Cam Judge who's made some big plays all season. You've also got Sean Levin, Lemon, who's had just an amazing season for the Calgary Stampeders, and I think who finally got his all-star nod, I think. I don't know. We may have to recount it again. But nevertheless, uh, the I think the Stampeders' uh, defensive line is a little bit stronger maybe than the BC Lions. That's questionable, though, because the BC Lions do have a few pieces in there of their own that are very strong in there as well. And I do like the BC Lions secondary a little bit more. Again, like I say, I, I'm really high on Purifoy. Uh, so it's very hard for me to say on this one as well. This should be a good contest. Uh, but I think if Calgary can establish the run early, and I think if BC can, uh, if BC holds off that uh, rushing right away, I think BC has a very good chance to win this game. 
But if Calgary goes and starts being able to slowly pound the football with Kadeem Carey or Diedrich Mills or Tommy Stevens or even Peyton Logan, or I, I can almost go on and on and on and on and on, uh, I could see Calgary making this very long, drawn-out game for the BC Lions. If the BC Lions, though, are able to kind of with uh, back off and uh, maybe make Jake Mayer have to throw on second and long a little bit, I really do like the secondary of the BC Lions a bit more than I do the Calgary Stampeders. So it, I'm going to give the edge right now to the Calgary Stampeders, actually, because I do like defensive lines. And I always say that the trenches are where the games are going to be won and lost at this time of the year. So to me, I think the defensive line of Calgary's is a little bit stronger, especially with the linebacking core that they've been showing all year. So to me, I'm going to go with Calgary. But uh, it's very close again. This this game here, the whole game is close. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Calgary on defense as well because of the trench battle. I think, you know, their defensive line has put up sack after sack after sack, it seems, this season. Uh, they've been very, very good. And that offensive line, I don't think, is as good in BC as it is in Calgary. I mean, I mean Calgary's barely given up any sacks all season. So... And they've put up the most on defense. They put up 56, nine more than any other team in the league. Yeah, they gave up a lot of yards and points early in the year, but it was almost kind of like a, a, a sneaky version of the Bombers bend that don't break defense where, yeah, give up points, give up yards, but then make the big plays when you need to. Uh, I think it comes down to that defensive line when it comes to the secondary and, you know, the bat defensive backfield. I think that's pretty even for me. And I think it's honestly kind of been a tale of two seasons for these teams. BC's defense was the much better one early in the year to me. But then they kind of, after Nathan Rourke went down, they kind of slid a little bit because they needed to do a little bit more uh, when he was out, right? And Calgary, I think, picked up their game down the stretch. So to me, they get the advantage on defense. Special teams. We've got Rene Paradis on one side. We've got Sean White on the other uh, Cody Grayson uh, for Calgary, Stefan Flintoff for the, the you know kicking for BC uh, in terms of the punting game. In terms of the return game, Peyton Logan for Calgary, Terry Williams for BC. Oh boy, is it uh, is it tough to figure out and tough to decipher between these two teams here at special teams as well. I think I got to give a bit of a nod to Calgary, though. I mean, Peyton Logan is explosive, and Terry Williams has been good, too, and it was a great addition for BC. But I also think Cody Grace is a heck of a punter, and Rene Paradis is one of the most consistent kickers over the past decade. Then again, Sean White is as well, so maybe it is actually... An even game, I guess. Yeah, I'll. You know what? I'll, I'll go even down the stretch. I convinced myself as I as I talked about it here. I think these two teams are dead even on special teams. Oh, but then I think of the cover game isn't as good for BC. See, there's so many layers to this that I figure out as we go. Okay, yeah, I'll give it a bit of a nod to Calgary because BC's cover unit hasn't been very, as good this year. No, I agree 100% with you on that. And the other one I still say is Rennie Paradis has been just amazing in every game that he's played in, except for one in a West semifinal in Saskatchewan last year. So, you know, maybe I should be looking out for this. Cody Grace, I mean, he has got to be one of the toughest son of a guns uh, that there is on a field 
just because what last week he goes tries to get his own uh, football back does manage to do it but uh, ends up dislocating a finger gets it strapped back up but away he goes again so you know what I give the edge to Calgary just for that reason alone but uh, Peyton Logan you're right has been just amazing and lights out this year always seems to give at least good yardage for the Calgary Stampeders to start at and BC has had their issues a little bit on uh, special teams so to me Sean White is a good kicker but I still give the edge to the Calgary Stampeders. I think that they're the more complete uh, special teams right now in the uh, in the West. Oh, and then we compare coaches. You got Rick Campbell over in BC. We've got uh, Dave Dickinson over in Calgary. Uh, two different. I feel like two different coaching philosophies, uh, most definitely. Uh, between these two teams, uh, but two very good coaching staffs here. Who do you give it to uh, uh, at coaching? Is there an edge? Not much of one if there is. I mean, Rick Campbell has got those BC Lions running through walls essentially this year, uh, especially after the dismal year last year. I'm just utterly stunned to see the development of this BC Lions team immediately. Uh, so Rick Campbell has done something very good and I actually had him as my coach of the year nominee just because of that. Uh, no offense to Mike O'Shea, but I mean, you look at a guy like or what BC has done this year, they went from essentially the basement of the West over to hosting a playoff game and pretty convincingly hosting a playoff game. I think they had 13 wins if I'm not mistaken or 12 wins. Uh, nevertheless, I, I give it to the B. I, I like the BC Lions. However, on the other side, You've got Dave Dickinson. I mean, how do you go against a guy that's won multiple Grey Cups over the years, has been a quarterback in this league, can calm down a young quarterback like Jake Mayer, probably better than anyone, and has been pretty much through almost any situation that there's been in a playoff game. So, I don't know. There's really not an edge on this one to me. Uh, I'm going to slightly lean towards, oh, I don't even want to say it, but maybe Calgary just because of Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel. Because, I mean, even Huffnagel is a calming influence on that team. So, I don't know why. In all honesty, the needle is so slightly bent towards Calgary. It's not even funny. It's pretty much you wouldn't even tell if you looked at it. Uh, it's It's essentially a tie. I love both of these teams' offensive game plan, specifically from the coaching staff, right? Like, I think Jordan Matzimitz has put up a brilliant offensive game plan for the for the Lions uh, for a good chunk of this season. And on Calgary's side, they're the one of the only teams that has learned to lean on a run game in the CFL and effectively do so and do a dual-back system even when you have the best running back in the league and Kadeem Carey. Uh, so and, and, uh, give credit, and give credit to their, uh, coach, uh, their assistant coaches. I mean, Mark Mueller has done a great job in Calgary ever since coming in there. And I mean, he's been through a lot of situations in the playoffs too. Now. I also gave Dave, Dave Dickinson some credit for making the tough decision to bench Bo Levi Mitchell for the second half of the season. When, when you have a guy as good as Bo has been and, you know, it's hard to, to view current versus legacy. Uh, and to put Jake Mayer, who is your best quarterback on your roster right now, in there. I think there's also something to be said about, you know, to get better, you need to lose occasionally. And if we look at these teams, Calgary's lost in the playoffs a lot over the past that they made. Well, they've won in the playoffs a lot. They've gotten to the Great Cup, but they had some heartbreaking playoff losses where there was kind of that stigma around Calgary. 
And it's the same management and coaching staff there in the same team culture that, you know, eventually you learn a little bit how to win out of that, right? So uh, I, I think I do give Calgary an advantage, even though, like you said, the needle is pretty small there. And that's the case on a lot of the categories in this game. I am still so undecided, and uh, I will delay this uh, the, our playoff predictions as long as I can to, to figure out who to take in this football game. Uh, well, we'll get to that here in a bit, but first, uh, CFL Fantasy doesn't just stop at the end of the regular season. That goes into the playoffs here as well, Adam. You can play CFL Fantasy for the playoffs on the official site. It's a whole different ball game, though, for the playoffs because – Instead of a $40,000 salary cap, it's 30000 And you have one less running back. You have one less wide receiver. Obviously, there's only two games, four teams to pick from for each. So uh, it's tougher when it comes to playoffs. There aren't a whole lot of options. So let's start with quarterbacks. And I figured the way to do this, because there are so few options, is give me your one to four rankings of the starting quarterbacks for this week. We've got Nathan Rourke at $11,000. That's about a third of your salary cap just over. Trevor Harris at $9,509. Jake Mayer is $8,900. Or Dane Evans is $7,500. How would you rank the options for quarterback for fantasy this week? Oh man, this is a very tough one for me because I really want to take Nathan Rourke because just the Nathan Rourke show in BC has been just incredible this year. So I think I'm going to take him anyways. I know he's real expensive at $11,000, but I'm going to take Nathan Rourke first. Uh, To me, next would probably be uh, uh, Trevor Harris. I think Trevor Harris is a good option for guys if they need one. Uh, he is not cheap either. I don't think he's $9,509, but you got to pick somebody. Uh, Jake Mayer is $8,900. I I don't mind him. I, I think he'd be my third choice in all honesty. And Dane Evans is my fourth choice. I just do not feel like he's got much of a hope in this uh in this one here uh, for the uh, tie cats. I just, I, I don't like them as much and I'm sure on the chat, Richard and uh, Chris will be telling me all about it in about two seconds. Well, here's the thing. Cause I've been looking at trying to set my whole lineup for the week. Dane Evans. I might slot in, call me crazy. I may slot in as my number one option in this ranking uh, at quarterback this week because of the price. It's so hard to fit them in. Uh, with the options, with only four teams playing, you know, half your you know real good cheap value plays are out the window at the other positions. Dane Evans had a playoff game last year where he went, uh, what was it, 18 of 18, uh, perfect 100% after coming in off the bench to lead them to a win uh, during a playoff game last year. So he has that ability in him if he can get the... the um, turnovers down I think he is a potentially viable option for the cheaper price if he can spend at the other positions because he does save you so much money and money is uh, hard to come by in this so you know what right now I'm leaning Dane Evans as my number one option I'll put Nathan Rourke as my number two option because I think he can put up that 30 point week um Trevor Harris against Hamilton I think I like that a little bit more than I like Jake Mayer against BC, but those are kind of a tie for third and fourth for me this week. So, uh, yeah, I think quarterback all season long, I've been leaning towards the cheaper value plays. Uh, I I think I got to do that in the playoffs here as well at quarterback. 
Now let's do the same thing at running backs, although that uh, muddies the waters a little bit because there may be some dual back systems here in play. Uh, we've got Kadeem Carey from Calgary is 9,500. James Butler of BC is 9,000. William Stanback, 6,500. Uh, Hamilton, whether it's Don Jackson or Wes Hills, they're both around $6,000. Then if you go for some of the potential backups, Diedrich Mills is 4,000. Walter Fletcher is 4,000. Uh, Sean Thomas Erlington is $3,000. Um, lots to choose from. So I, maybe we don't need to go rank them all because that might take us a little bit here. But at running back this week, I mean, I really like the usage of Kadeem Carey in that Calgary offense. But how much are they going to spell in Diedrich Mills into there? I don't love the 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 Hamilton options because you never know who's going to get it. And we saw one game this year where they ran the ball very well. Montreal seems to be splitting time between the guys here as well. Honestly, I think the best option might be James Butler at $9,000 just based on volume alone. And if that defensive pass at rush for Calgary is going to try to get to Nathan Rourke, there could be a bunch of dump-off passes to James Butler if Dwarf's mobility isn't 100% there. So I think he's my leading candidate for running back this week. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I just to look at the rest of them and say I don't know what they're going to do because you're right, William Sandback hasn't done a whole lot really since coming back, and you may have a lot of uh, Walter Fletcher in there. Uh, over on Hamilton's side of the football, it's the same situation. I mean, Wes Hill is sore. Is it going to be Sean Thomas Erlington? If it's Sean Thomas Erlington, it's a cheap pick, but is he going to play any amount? On Calgary side of the football, it's the same thing as well. You've got two very capable running backs in Kadeem Carey and in Diedrich Mills. And in also, uh, sometimes they move in. Uh, uh, oh, man. Why did my brain just go and have a brain fart right at the moment? wrong moment? Peyton Logan. Peyton Logan, that's the name. Thank you. Uh, nevertheless. Uh, I could see Calgary maybe even using a three-back system for all you know. So to me, the only one that is a very solid pick that is this, definitely the number one running back in the playoffs right now that are playing in the West or East semifinals is James Butler. He's expensive. He's $9,000, but he should play the whole game. That being said, BC also has a very good passing game. Nathan Rourke can run a ball pretty good. And sometimes that may affect how much they actually run James Butler, because if they start passing the ball quite a bit, I could see them all of a sudden going away from James Butler if the passing game is there. So I'm going to probably go with James Butler as well. Uh, it means I got to switch my quarterback probably to Trevor Harris because, you know, that's almost $18,000 or more or 19 or $20,000. That's half my roster on two players. So I'm probably going to have to switch my quarterback, but yeah, I'm going to go James Butler as well. Yeah, you're not going to fit that in probably with Nathan Rourke, but that's why, you know, Eileen may be taking a chance on Dane Evans because I, I feel like Butler is the best option at running back this week, given that he gets the sole workload. The question is, how much do they run the ball? Wide receiver, it's a real tough week this week with so few options because you can't lean on a lot of it. There's no Dalton shown to pick. There's no, uh, you know, can't pick like Dylan Mitchell, any of the guys we typically like to lean on. Well, most of them at least. It's also a tight salary cap where you're probably not spending $10,000 on Tim White or Eugene Lewis necessarily this week. 
So where do you go at wide receiver? Are there any options that catch your eye there? Uh, I took a look here. I like, uh, again, I'm going expensive on my first two picks, right? So I've got to really, really take some cheap options uh, when it moves on here. So my two picks right now are Luther, Luther Hakanavanu, who is a very risky pick because, again, he has not played a lot of CFL playoff games. Well, not actually. Uh, so is he going to play much in the game here? I hope he plays a little bit, but it'll depend on the injury situation over in Calgary this week. I see that Malik Henry is still marked as a no. So if he is, then maybe you might see Hakanavanu in the roster a little bit for the Stampeders and is a reasonable pick as well. Uh, also like the pickup of Jovan Katoy. Uh, this may switch very, very quick to Alexander Hollins. If I hear any hint of uh, a pickup of uh, uh, Lucky Whitehead not being able to play in this game, if he can't, I'm going Hollins all day, every day, and 100 times after that. But if it's not, then I think I'm going to probably go with uh, Jovan Katoy. I don't mind him as well. Maybe even one of the uh, Tyson Philippote. I, I don't mind him as well. But we'll see on that one. I'm not as comfortable with Montreal as I am maybe with BC. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Katoy right now. But again, if uh, if uh, like Whitehead's gone, I am all over Alexander Hollins. <laughs> you read my mind on that one. That's where I'm at as well. I, I was looking at that as... That's probably my best cheap value play when it comes to fantasy this week is uh, Alexander Hollins. Um, but uh, if he's not available, you know, then maybe it's one of the Hamilton guys and try and just pick one and hope for the best. You know, Anthony Johnson, Keandre Smith, Terry Godwin, they've all had good games at times this season. Perhaps an underrated one, Kion Julian Grant had the big game in the meaningless week 21. I mean, not a huge game, four catches, 55 yards and a touchdown. He's had his moments this year, though, where, where you know, Trevor Harris has looked at him for a long play here and there that could potentially work out there. Yeah, there's really not a whole ton of options at wide receiver. I mean, the Philpott brothers, Tyson's at 3925 uh, Jalen Philpott, 45-11, potentially looking at those as middle-range prices. And then... Actually, I'm going to give you one more just from Hamilton's side of the things. Uh, take a look at Lamar Durant. You know what? He's a veteran. He should be okay for the playoffs. Uh, Hamilton didn't really get him involved early this year. But, hey, sometimes those guys just stick out in the playoffs that haven't been used all year. And $3,370, he's very cheap. Uh it's a risk for sure because he hasn't been used much all year, but if he's good, he might just be an option as well uh, for the, if you're a Hamilton Ticats fan, I want to pick up a Ticat. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, didn't he win the uh, most outstanding Canadian in the Grey Cup when Calgary won it a, a couple of years ago, I believe, because he had a big game. He had a touchdown or two in that one. So he comes to play in the playoffs. Uh, interesting middle price option, $5,000, Jake Winicky. I currently have slotted into my lineup and I have not thought about putting him in my lineup since week number two, but the last game he played in week 20, he put up five catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. It was the best game he's played all year. We know he has the capability to be involved. Reggie White Jr. is out. So that takes out part a piece in the offense as well. You know, there's a whole ton of difficult options to choose from here. I may take a chance at the resurgence of Jake Winicky, as crazy as it sounds at this point. 
and, and slide him in there as well. Of the upper-priced players, yeah, probably can't fit any of those guys into the lineup here. Maybe if I can, I'm looking to slide in, you know, Reggie Bagleton or Stephen Dunbar or Keon Hatcher. That's probably kind of around that price that I'd be looking at there. On defense, we only have four to choose from here as well. Uh, we've got Montreal is the most expensive at four thousand uh, dollars. Calgary and BC both at thirty five hundred, and then Hamilton at three thousand. Uh, how would you rank the defenses? Well, I think that they're really expecting Montreal to get a lot of turnovers in this game because that's very expensive for the Montreal Alouettes, considering that the Calgary Stampeders are essentially a sack machine. However, sacks don't really count for a whole lot in fantasy, really, is what I found. And turnovers count for everything, essentially, for defenses. So it may make sense to pick up Montreal. However, $4,000, that's a lot. If you're really needing to take maybe a more value option, I don't mind uh, looking at maybe even a BC Lion or a Calgary Stampeder uh, team. I, I like Calgary for $3,500, uh, probably over BC. Just because, again, BC is playing a team that doesn't allow really any sacks on their team and really does a good job of turnovers as well. So I like Montreal because of the turnover chances, uh, but that's a pretty pricey bill if you're trying to make it work with maybe a more expensive quarterback or uh, running back. So what are you thinking, Ryan? Oh, it's tough. Uh, like you said, I mean, I was leaning towards BC at first, and then I did remember Calgary doesn't give up a ton of sacks. I also think uh, we could be in for a BC Calgary game like that one earlier this year that was 41 to 40, and then you're not getting any points for your defense, allowing a minimal number of points against uh, in that case. Uh, so I think Montreal Hamilton's the lower scoring game, so I'm inclined to potentially try to fit in a defense from uh those two uh that there you know i would take montreal probably as the better option of the two if you can fit the price in your lineup uh but hamilton has had some good games over 10 fantasy points down the stretch as well so i like either of those two uh and then i would probably go calgary for the turnover potential and then yeah B bc might be the last option i think here just because calgary's offensive line is so good and, you know, if you're uh, not like us and uh, you don't have a uh, conscience and you feel like cheating, uh, you know what? In all honesty, I would rather spend $4,000 and get myself a better uh, wide receiver. Uh, however, you know, we're not allowed to play like that. So, Well, hey, our fantasy league for the season is over. So anything is fair game in the playoffs, I say. Fair point. Uh, well, uh, to anybody that's listening from the turf district, I'm sorry, I'm about to violate some rules. <laughs> so nevertheless, uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I don't think I'm going to take a defense this week. I might spend some more money and, uh, you know, pick up a Nathan Rourke. It is tempting. It is tempting. I, I was thinking of that as well. Yes, we, uh, we did put a rule in place for the league during the regular season. Uh, that you could not uh, leave a roster spot empty. But uh, the league is finished. We have a champion. So now we're playing for fun in the playoffs. So uh, do whatever you find is best for your lineup, I'd say. Hey, we just all have to pull off a little bit of a Bill Belichick. We're just bending the rules a little bit. Or a Chris Jones, for that matter. We're just we're just getting a pre-practice roster set up for ourselves. Quit deflating the footballs over there, Adam. <laughs> nah, we don't do that. We just We just record other teams when they're not looking. <laughs> Great. 
Perfect. Uh, well, let's get into our full playoff prediction brackets here to end it off. And that's powered by BetStamp. Uh, BetStamp is a free app that helps you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers by providing you comparisons of odds across a variety of different sports books, including the BetStamp recommended best odds, which we'll be using for our CFL picks against the spread here today, at least the round one picks. We don't have odds for the rest of the playoffs, of course, because we don't know what the games will be. Uh, you can learn more at betstamp.app and sign up with referral code CFC. Uh, I'll start pulling up the, uh, the the betting lines for the round one games here in a second. But uh, let's start off with our straight up predictions. Who's going to win in the East semifinal and the West semifinal? And let's start off with the East. Uh, who are you taking to win this game between Montreal and Hamilton? I think this is going to be a very good game. I think that the uh, crowd at Percival Wilson Stadium is going to be very loud. I mean, uh, Uncle Gary, as uh, Trey lovingly calls him, uh, goes and is going to have the crowd just absolutely going wild in Montreal. I really like the offense of the Montreal Alouettes. Again, you said it earlier, Jake Wenicke has had a pretty good game in the last few weeks. Can he get it going in the playoffs? It's a whole new year when it's playoffs, as far as I'm concerned. Eugene Lewis has been a very good part of this whole season. Uh, William Stanback, I still say, has some more to go uh, to prove some, but I think he's a good player to do it. That being said, Mon our Montreal also has discipline issues, and I know, Richard, you brought it up in the chat earlier, telling us all about that, hey, did we factor in uh, – penalties and yes we do try to factor in penalty problems because that's a big part of the game if you're giving up a lot of big yardage this being said i just do not feel comfortable one bit this year with dane evans he doesn't have the weapons like he had last year going into the playoffs there is no jalen acklin this year for him to rely on there's no brandon banks there's uh a lot of players that are missing off of that hamilton tiger cats team that used to go to the gray cup in the offensive side of the football defensive side. I think they could possibly do it. They still got Simone Lawrence. They still have a guy like Micah Johnson there. They've still got a very strong uh, defense. Their offense though, I think is going to be their weak point. I have a funny feeling that we're going to see some turnovers I straight up. I'm going to Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one going Montreal here as well. I think it does come down to the turnovers, and I think Montreal is the safer play there. The discipline can, yeah, that can impact things a little bit as well. Uh, but I feel like we saw a game earlier in the season where Hamilton scored an entire touchdown drive off of defensive penalties by the Alouettes and still found a way to lose the game. Montreal put up 185 yards or so of penalties and still found a way to win. So I think they can overcome that more than Hamilton can overcome the turnovers that I expect to come from them. So uh, I will lean towards Montreal straight up here as well. Uh, Mike also, uh, so Trey and Mike did send in their picks. Mike also took Montreal and so did Trey. So the team, uh, all four of us leaning towards Montreal for straight up picks here. Uh, what about pick against the spread? Our best odds from Betstamp is plus three and a half for Hamilton on Tony Bet or minus three for Montreal on Cool Bet. I'm going to take Montreal. I think the spread isn't far enough here. I think Montreal wins by at least a field goal in this one. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I don't see a Rouge uh, kickoff in this game. 
uh, as much as I'd love to see one because that'd be hilarious. But nevertheless, uh, no, I, I could see Montreal winning this one by more than three, uh, at least by a field goal more. So to me, no, nah, it, it's a game in Montreal. That's why it's a three-point. It's pretty much a tie, essentially, in this uh, fort. You always get a three-point advantage because you're at home. So no, even on the spread, I'm going to go Montreal. Uh, Trey also went with uh, Montreal minus three, which means congratulations, Trey. You officially have won the season uh, totals here because uh, I needed to go 5-0 and and Trey needed to go 0-5 in the playoffs uh, for uh, us to, for me to catch him, uh, which if we agree on the same game can't happen. So uh, there's a reason he's our resident betting expert and uh, he will go on to take the title regardless of what happens in the playoffs. I thought about going complete opposite of them to keep it interesting, but uh, no, uh, if we're, if we're doing this segment earnestly, I, I think Montreal is going to win this game. Uh, Mike was kind enough to send us exact score predictions for every game. Uh, he has Montreal beating bold Hamilton. Man, <laughs> What's that? Bold man. Very bold. Yeah. We'll see how close he is. Uh, Mike would also take Montreal against the storm at minus three because he's taken them to win 21 to 13 over the tie cats. So I kind of agree with the score like that. A low scoring game is what I expect between these two clubs. Yeah, no, I expect a low scoring game. I don't know about 21, 13. I think it's going to be more of like a four point, three point kind of game. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go 17-13 for the Montreal Alouettes. Let's take a look at our second game here, the West Division semifinal. We've got Calgary in BC. Uh, we said almost every category was right on the fine line between these two teams, and how do you pick based on that? And I have been in turmoil because I am really impressed with both of these football clubs this season. We'll go straight up picks here. I'll go first because I made you go first on the last one. There's something about the Nathan Rourke factor that just, I, I just believe in it. I think that, you know, since a lot of these positions are so close, he can make such an impact on a game, the morale of the team, the effectiveness of the play calling, that I think we're going to see a BC team similar to what we did earlier on in the season. And I think that's a type of game that benefits the Lions more than it does the Stampeders. So it'll be awfully, awfully close in this one. It's really tough, but I will take the BCU Lions to go on to the West Division Finals here. What about you? I'm looking at this one here, and I look at two teams that you're right. They're just identical, essentially. They have different coaches. They have different quarterbacks. They have different players. But yet they're built on the same kind of uh, – built from the same yarn, essentially, because – you look at a BC Lions team, they're a, uh, probably a stronger running uh, passing game. You look at a uh, Calgary Stampeder team, that's a better running team. You look at a, a better defensive line versus a better secondary. You look at a better uh, return specialist versus maybe a, arguably a better kicker uh, or punter. So to me, this team, this game is so even. You're right. It's something about Nathan Rourke in this game that's going to really decide it. I think that Nathan Rourke has that aura around him, and I want to see it. I really, really do. I want to see Nathan Rourke go out there, just start crushing records or start breaking things and just absolutely go and uh, uh, whip that uh, BC Lions fan into a lather, be into a lather because I want to see them just get absolutely go crazy because their team is going on to the West uh, final against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Nathan Rourke is going to be driving the bus 
to Winnipeg. That's my opinion. The Lions will take this one. Uh, I don't know if they'll take it handedly, but they're, they're going to take it. Well, I hope Nathan Rourke driving the bus to Winnipeg isn't the same type of situation where Jake Dolagala and Jeremy O'Day had to drive to Winnipeg for the Banjo Bowl. Um, I would well, hope they... Hope that there is no food poisoning before the West fi- or final as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, straight up picks. Uh, Mike took Calgary. Uh, and Trey, I believe, took Calgary as well. So... Uh, Evenly split down the middle, I guess. But uh, in terms of our consensus picks, uh, Mike uh, is the odd man out. It's normal you, me, and Trey. So I guess we're going BC for a consensus pick on the Bet Stamp app. Uh, well, I guess, sorry, that's if we were picking straight up. We are picking against the spread here. Calgary is at plus three from Cool Bet. BC minus two and a half from Tony Bet from the Bet Stamp Best Odds. Does that change your pick in the Calgary direction? Do you think it's close enough that you're taking Calgary plus three, or what are you looking at? No. Uh, You know what? When the games are this close, it's very hard to go and change your pick for the spread because I don't see Calgary beating the BC Lions. But If the Calgary wins, they're going to win by three or more. If BC wins, they're probably going to win by three or more. I don't see a single point being a difference in a game here unless something really strange happens. No, nah, I'm going to stick with the BC Lions at negative two and a half. Uh, it's it's just not enough difference to make the change, I don't think. And for me, yeah, no, I, I just like I say, I like the Nathan Rourke uh, uh, bit here. I like the receiving core of the uh, BC Lions. I'm going to go with the BC Lions. You know what? I like chaos, so I'm going with Calgary plus three here because uh, they did have two of their three games this year were decided uh, essentially by a point or less. One was 41-40. One game went to overtime there. And I really did think long and hard about taking the Stampeders to win this game. So I figure uh, if I'm thinking that, you know, it's that close, I think the final result could be that close. So I'll take Calgary at plus three here, I think, on cool bet. Uh, because it's going to be a real darn close football game. Uh, Trey is also taking Calgary plus three, so uh, he agrees with me on that one. Uh, And Mike did predict Calgary 31, BC 24. So I guess Calgary is also, or Mike is also taking Calgary at plus three. You seem to be the odd man out on the spread here, Adam. I just don't know about that one, Mike. I mean, to me, you've got a guy that should have been probably the MOP of the year, uh, with Nathan Rourke on one side of the football, and you're saying it's going to be more than seven that they're going to beat them by? Uh, I don't know. I I think that uh, Nathan Rourke, I think, might just show up a little bit. Yeah, he didn't have a game, great game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense, but this is the Calgary Stampeders. They've been good over the last little bit, but we're also in BP, BC Play Stadium. Uh I don't know about that, Mike, but hey, hope you're right, maybe. Okay, so those are our picks against the spread and our picks for round one of the playoffs. Let's fill out the rest of our playoff brackets here. We'll make sure to fill them out correctly, not draw the wrong lines. I don't know. I don't know. Trey and I talked about this on Monday. I don't know if you saw the CFL's bracket graphic where they posted it once and they had the the team on the buy in the wrong slot on there. And then they took it down. Then they posted again with the same thing. So I don't know if that's been corrected yet, but uh, we know how the playoff bracket works. Uh, Whichever team we took to win the West semifinal will go into play Winnipeg. Whoever wins the East semifinal will go into play Toronto. 
Uh, let's start out west this time. You and I both had, I think, the BC Lions uh, moving on to face Winnipeg. So BC going into Winnipeg, what do you think? This is going to be a tough one for me because I think that Nathan Rourke again could come out and just be uh, is is the X factor in the BC Lions. To me, though, there's something also about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You got to go into IGF. It's going to be cold. The Bombers are one game away from going to a Grey Cup for the third time. You can't tell me that crowd is not going to be pumped in IGF uh, on uh, the West Set Final. I will probably, and it breaks my heart to do this because, you know, I still got some green in my uh, blood, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to use the Rough Riders home loom and it's going to drive me absolutely insane because I think the Bombers are going to go to the Grey Cup. Well, let's look at who the others have picked here as well before we get to my pick. Uh, so Trey had Calgary going on to face Winnipeg. Trey took Winnipeg to win this uh, one to go on to the Grey Cup as well. Mike had Calgary going into Winnipeg, uh, and he had uh, Calgary beating the Bombers here. Uh, 31-21 to 21 in Winnipeg, uh, Mike's prediction there. So, me, I have BC and Winnipeg uh, like you did. My heart leans BC. My head leans Winnipeg. Which one do I go with here is the question. Uh, I, I want to take BC to go all the way based on the Nathan Rourke factor. I really, really do. And that's where my head has been. At. My head and my heart have actually been at since about the midway point of the season is BC going to the Cup. But Winnipeg has played much better ball. They've cleaned up the defensive struggles a bit down the stretch here. They've had so much time to prepare. Bold take alert. We're going to see Willie Jefferson catch a, catch a, a goal line touchdown pass in, in this football game. Like they put him at wide, they put him at wide receiver in the final week of the season. And I don't think that was an accident unless it was to just confuse them. BC going from playing in the Dome out to what's expected to, I think, to be a cold day, a potentially snowy day here in Winnipeg. I think uh, Mike O'Shea is going to have the boys ready to go. So I think I got to take the Bombers to beat the Lions as much as I want to see Nathan Rourke take that cup this year so bad. And I just wanted to add also, if Winnipeg does get the home room in Saskatchewan, you can't change the green LED lighting in the home locker room. I'm just saying. So maybe you don't want to win it. I'm I'm just throwing it out there. It uh, you know it still won't be the worst locker room a Winnipeg-based sports team has had to uh, play a game in recently with the Jets playing in the makeshift arena in Arizona. You know, I guess that makes the CFL even. I mean, that, that's that locker room. I mean, come on. <laughs> Okay, out east. So we both. So we've all the you, me, and Trey all have Winnipeg going on to the Grey Cup out west. Mike is Calgary going uh, to the Cup uh, out east. We both uh, we all took Montreal to beat Hamilton. So we all have Montreal in Toronto. Uh, I will go first on this one, and I think I'm gonna take. Who am I gonna take here? I'm gonna take the. Ooh, why did I agree to go first? I actually don't know on this one. I think I'm going to take the Toronto Argonauts. I think I'm going to take the Argos. I had the Argos preseason. I had Calgary-Toronto preseason as my predictions, if I remember correctly. 
and I believe they were going to represent the East all season. That defense, the big factor to me is that Toronto defense. The offense will find a way to get just enough done. And maybe even we'll see Andrew Harris make a triumphant return in the playoffs. You know he's going to come back now because he's got to prove he's, he was actually deserving of that original All-Star nominee, right? Um, so he's just been buying his time ready to – he's fueled by the anger uh, of that situation. No, I think the defense takes it for Toronto over Montreal. So I'll have the Argos go into the cup here. Uh, what about you? I was always told I'm supposed to pick an East team to go and jump on a bandwagon with because you're from Saskatchewan. You can't take a West team. How could you dare think about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Well, I'm going to take an East division team and cheer for them. Uh, I think that I, I really do like the running of Andrew Harris. If he is back for the East semifinal or sorry, East final, uh, Andrew Harris is going to make a big, big difference in that game, no matter which team he faces. And if he's back, you've got what I think uh, Saskatchewan lost in the last little bit with some of their uh, draft picks like Darius Bladek that's on that offensive line for the Argonauts. That is very good. You've got a uh, all-star in uh, Curly Gittens Jr. Or is he? I don't know. Uh, I think we should just bring in Rod Black for figuring out the all-star list. Just every person he could go in and out and then say, or is he? But anyways, uh, nevertheless, I, I don't really care for the play of McLeod Bethel Thompson is the only consideration that I've got, but it takes a whole team to win a great cup. And I think that the Toronto Argonauts are going to, and at the beginning of the year, I should say, I did have the Montreal Alouettes, but they were facing a different team. So I get a new uh, pick. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Toronto Argonauts in this one here. And uh, yeah, we'll see who I think on the great cup. Yes, we'll get to that here. So uh, we're taking Toronto, and uh, uh, we've got uh, Trey is also saying, I guess, Toronto. Seems a little undecided on that. Uh, Mike at Montreal. Toronto is taking Montreal to win 31-28. So Mike's got uh, Montreal-Calgary in the Cup. I think the rest of us have Winnipeg-Toronto going to the Grey Cup here, which means it all comes down to this. Who are we taking to win the Grey Cup for 2022, uh, oh, uh, we lost Adam here. Uh, Adam, are you there? I think I know what's happening here. Uh, who are you taking to win the Great Cup this year? I'm going to go with the Toronto Argonauts. I know I'm going nuts because I bought a hat for the Toronto Argonauts, but you know what? I think they're going to win a Great Cup this year because uh, they've got a great running game. I think it beats Winnipeg's running game, and that would be just absolutely epic to see Andrew Harris face the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a Grey Cup right now. So if he's back and he's healthy and ready to go, and if the Toronto uh, defense can step up like they have for most of this season, uh, with Winton McManus playing a, a perfect game, Chris Edwards and all the defense of the Toronto Argonauts stepping up, they can beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They've done it in the past. Uh, last year, let's face it, who was the only team that beat Winnipeg last year in the regular season? The Toronto Argonauts. So to me, I'm going to go with the Toronto Argonauts to win the Grey Cup. And I'm sorry, Toronto, probably you won't because I absolutely picked you. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Argonauts. Uh, Mike had Calgary and Montreal in the Grey Cup and is taking the Stampeders to win 35-31 to over the Alouettes. Uh, Trey has Winnipeg and Toronto in the Cup and he's taking the Bombers for the three-peat uh, this season. 
Me, I can't do it. I can't do the three-peat here. I am going with the Toronto Argonauts just like you, Adam. Uh, it scares me that we've been in lockstep almost every step of the way this uh, for the playoff bracket because normally when that happens during the regular season, uh, we got it wrong. So expect like Hamilton, Calgary to both win in round one, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, probably, right? No, for me, Toronto, Winnipeg, what happened last time we had a 15 and three football team go into the finals and be the clear favorite over a team that seems like more of an underdog. It was the Hamilton tiger cats at 15 and three when the bombers came in and shocked them there. Now they prepare very well as a football team, but it's something's got to give at some point. And uh, I don't know. I, I can't take, I, I can't take the three feet because it's so rare. I just can't see it fully happening uh, in a one game thing. Anything can happen. Bombers Argos this season came down to a crazy missed field goal. I think it was on like the last play of the game or something uh, by the Argos to give the Bombers the win. I'll say this, this Grey Cup game is the day that McLeod Bethel Thompson silences the critics. I have been a big supporter of MBT all season long. I've believed in him. I know a lot of people don't. I think he led the league in passing yards, if not top two or three this season. Uh, and he's had a very underrated year. And so I think they get it together in the playoffs. The defense does enough. MBT comes out with a strong game. I will pick the Argos to win the Grey Cup this year. No, I agree with you. And the other thing you got to remember is the crowd noise will be a factor in Saskatchewan, especially if it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers there. They will go absolutely crazy on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers if there's any amount of Saskatchewan fans there, which there will be. So to me, Think Winnipeg's going to have to deal with crowd noise like they do on Labor Day, which is at a Grey Cup instead of a, like the biggest game of the year, essentially, instead of just Labor Day. So let's say it's the Revenge of the Riders. You're going to go and get all over the Blue Bombers, and the Argonauts are going to end up winning a Grey Cup. That being said, with the Riders being out of it, you know a number of people are going to be selling their Grey Cup tickets. I'm guessing there's going to be a solid number of Bomber fans who, A, brought, bought tickets preseason because it's a, what, six-hour drive away and you had to think your team was going to have a good shot of getting there again this year, or Bomber fans that have been scooping it up now. So I could see it uh, being a crowd that actually is maybe in favor of Winnipeg if they get there. be weird to see green seats cheering on a Blue Bomber fans, but our Blue Bomber team, but it could happen. Uh, I mean, yeah, Saskatchewan fans are selling their seats and trying to get their money out of them. So it could be either way. It could be where half the crowd is cheering and half the crowd is booing the whole time. And nobody knows who they're cheering for in this game. But all we know is one thing, that game's going to be sold out. It's going to be loud in Saskatchewan no matter what happens. And uh, it should be a fun great cup. Yeah, that being said, all the fans from all eight other fan bases are going to be actively cheering against Winnipeg if they get there because they went off this train, um, basically. Uh, We've well, heard enough of Bomber fans. We want no more. <laughs> I am a Bomber fan, and I agree. So, no. No, I love all CFL fans. I love the passion for the league, uh, which came out quite a bit across the league this week with the All-Star stuff. Um, well, I think that does it here for today. That's our playoff picks. So you and I have Toronto winning the cup. Mike has Calgary, uh, and Trey has Winnipeg winning the cup this year. We'll see what happens and, uh, we'll see what's coming up next here on the podcast. Uh, on Monday, November 7th at 9 PM, uh, we will be here to, 
Uh, recap the division semifinals. So the two games from this weekend, we'll know who's going into Winnipeg. We'll know who's going into Toronto. Uh, that's 9 p.m. Uh, Central time, which I think is central for both of us, Adam. There's a time change this weekend, if I'm correct. Uh, so we kind of realign on the uh, time zone plane there. Uh, so that's this Monday night at 9 p.m. And then next Thursday, November 10th at 9 p.m., We'll be here, uh, that's Central Time again, we'll be here to preview the division final games. We'll do the same matchup breakdown as we did and probably talk about whatever other chaos is going in around the, on around the CFL that week. You can catch uh, both of these shows and every show live over on YouTube at the Canadian Football Countdown, Facebook.com slash Pod, Twitter at Pod twitch.tv slash Pod, and the Game Time TV YouTube page. All made possible by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us, as I mentioned, at CF Countdown Pod on Twitter and on Facebook. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well, at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Adam, what else you got going on these days and where can people find you if they want to hear more? Well, you can find me at Adam Stewart one. I mean, we're going to be talking probably a little more hockey than we usually do, especially this Saturday, because my home team gets to kick off uh, their season this year. Uh, we're heading out to Manitoba to go take on and beat up some poor Manitoba team. I'm kidding. I don't know how they are. So might be us getting to kicking, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, you can see all about that over on uh at Adam Stewart one, I'll be uh, probably uh, doing some of the game there. I might probably take a few pictures and post them up and all that good stuff. And of course, hey, uh, some other big things happening this weekend. It's the Canadian Bowl this weekend. Uh, Regina and the Okanagan Sun are going to be playing in Mosaic Stadium. Should be a great game. I just wanted to bring that up for CJFL fans. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys uh, enjoy that game as well. Should be a very fun one out in Regina. We'll see if Regina can actually keep up the streak for Saskatchewan to win a few more of these uh, Canadian Bulls. I'm sure Saskatoon has their name on it way too many times. Uh, I'm sure Regina would like to go and add a few of their own. So, uh, But yeah, make sure you follow me there. And also make sure you follow Trey. He couldn't make it here tonight because of uh, just not feeling a little uh, great. But uh, Trey MB Harness, you can find all, all about horse racing and all the good stuff that Trey's doing. I'm thinking he's playing Modern Warfare too, uh, probably just a little bit. So uh, yeah, we'll go with that. So yeah, you can find Mike on Twitter as well at Mike Garrell. You can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper Forty Two. If you want to talk CFL, CFL fantasy, NFL, reality TV, anything like that, always enjoy uh, chatting about topics like that. Cats, I do. I like cats. I have a cat. If you want to chat about cats, we can talk about cats. Um, what are you not a cat person adam oh i like my cats i just have a what do you call a little mini dachshund so you know oh. one of those little wiener dogs and my poor mother decided she wanted to go and dress it up in a uh, hot dog costume <laughs> if you want to see that that's over on uh, my instagram page if you want to have laugh at a poor dog uh, poor little dog oh you got to send this to me afterwards i don't have instagram so uh I, I can't see it but send it to me um i want to see a yeah i want to see that um yeah follow the podcast uh, we got lots of fun things planned throughout the playoffs here uh, and as we get, get down to the wire i cannot believe we're already here at the playoff time 
uh, and uh, we'll roll into the season. We'll wrap up the season after the playoffs are over and then uh, to be determined what things look like over the start of the off season here. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's been a great season thus far. The playoffs last year were fantastic. I bet they're going to be fantastic again this year. Uh, we appreciate everybody who follows along all year with us, uh, whether you watch live, whether you watch after the fact, all the nice comments, fun comments along the way. Appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate if you do these fun things such as uh, comment, like, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends. Help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. Enjoy the playoffs, especially round one kicking off this weekend, everybody. And on behalf of Adam Stewart, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.